0: You're listening to the Vendo podcast.
1: Hi, everybody out there. Uh, This is Yoji Cole, business development manager with Vendo. And today, excited to be talking with Ryan Lewenden. He is a partner in Gianuzzi Lewenden, a firm that helps brands disrupt and transform the CPG industry. So, Ryan, uh, thank you for joining us today. Great to be talking with you.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, Yoji. Great to be talking to you, too.
1: So today, Ryan, we're going to get to know who you are and what really, um, you know, brought you to where you are today. Um, You know, like we were saying before we started the call, you're a lawyer by trade. You help uh, brands with those uh, legal issues that they have um, from, I guess, maybe inception to sale. But um, really wanted to, if you could just give us a little, you know, quick uh, understanding of Gianuzzi Luendon and how you all help brands, and then we'll dive into, uh, you know, your personal uh, story.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, Gene Uzi Luendin is, you know, a full service um, firm that works exclusively with disruptive consumer brands. So, you know, our practice uh, is basically like an inch wide and a mile deep. All we do is work with brands. All we do is work with founders. You know, we don't work with investors, distributors, none of that. All of, our, all of our work and all of our advice is, is formulated that way. And basically, you know, our, our practice covers uh, kind of three main areas. It's financing and m and You know, we help companies, um, you know, uh, build their company and sell it. You know, we sell about, we probably average about 10 to 20 companies sold a year. We do about 100 to 200 rounds of financing through our firm. Um, and those range from, you um, you know, uh, hundred million dollar rounds of financing to $50 million rounds to $5 million rounds to like a company's initial raise, right? So we are like a real true life cycle firm in that we'll get involved with you early and we're a partner that you don't outgrow all the way, every step of the way through an exit. Um, and, um, and then the other pillar is, so like you raise your money in your fundraise and then you need to spend it to execute on your plan we help you with all the spending, right? So as you hire up manufacturers and distributors and brokers, and um, you hire employees and you need to put your employee incentive plan in together, as you build out your retail locations and your commercial leases, um, as you do sort of your celebrity agreements and you bring you know manufa- uh, um, advertising partners and PR partners in, we help you do all of that. And, it's, and all of that stuff is with an eye towards, all right, how do you help you solve the problem directly in front of you? But like, how do all of these separate things, how can you negotiate them and put them in a place where when you go to sell the company or you're going to talk to a sophisticated investor, this manufacturing agreement or this celebrity joint venture is an asset to the business and not a detriment or a slowdown or a hang-up or, or something that's going to knock your purchase price or or basically not, not get you to where you want to be. Right. So, um, you know, in that sense, uh, people really come to us for you know the legal work, but also the downstream vision, right? Um, it's a hey, you know, maybe you're doing a five million dollar round of financing now, but you want to know how to set yourself up for success in your fifty million dollar round or your two hundred million dollar round or your exit. We help you do both um, because our experience lies in sort of taking it from step step A and getting you all the step Z. Yeah. Um, Let's and
1: talk then the third, really quick, Ryan, if we could about that whole experience side of it, uh, which will kind of dive back into, you know, your, your background. I mean, when you were a kid and you, uh, you know, you were, uh, watching TV, I know remember, I'm going to date myself here, but when I was a kid, I loved watching, um, LA law and all of that stuff. So sure. I, I don't know if, if at that point in time you were like, man, I want to be a lawyer. And then, and this is exactly what you wanted to do, but how did you, how did you get into this?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I come from a family of lawyers. Um, my dad's a lawyer. My brother's a lawyer. Um, so it was always in my family. Um, and, you know, I had an inkling that I wanted to go into law, like in college, but I wasn't totally sure. I was I was actually a molecular and cellular biology major. Wow. I, um, I I at first I wanted to be a surgeon. I realized I didn't like dissecting people. Then I wanted to go in genetics <laughs> and uh, spent a, a summer in a lab and realized I wanted to do something s- sort of more interactive and, and, you know, facing with people. Um, and then I ended up running a bar in, in college in New Orleans and Tulane. And when I was there, I really started to see like how people were starting to gravitate towards like more artisanal brands, more unique brands, how people, how New Orleans was developing this like, you know, sort of cocktail sort of, um, culture where people were coming out with new spirits. And, and I was seeing how people were like drawing to them at the bar. And I really started to see, well, you know, like brands and, and sort of more niche things and health and wellness is something that's coming along. So, you know, I knew I wanted to do something there. Um, you know, from from running the bar, I, I took my LSAT and went to law school and kind of always knew I wanted to do something transactional, corporate. I knew I wanted to do something in business. I knew I wanted to do something with sort of like emerging brands and industries. Um, and you know, when I, when I graduated and I met Nick, um, I realized like the practice he was building was perfect, right? He was, um, you know, working with vitamin water, uh, the company was growing and, and, you know, it was, it was sort of like this, this disruptive sort of brand at the time. And then I joined the team and, you know, started working on that account with him and, you know, we sold it to Coke in wow. in 2008. And yeah. from there, we just realized there was a big white space for people that, you know we're starting and, and developing these like new industries in food and beverage. There was no no there was nobody really there to help them. Um you know people wanted to work for you know the big conglomerate or they wanted to work for the big investor yeah. but no one wanted to help the founder and, and we had this great playbook from vitamin water on how to yeah. build a disruptive brand and you know we really liked sort of like working with the underdog and, and yeah. seeing those people overcome and, um you know, we went to an expo East in 2008 in Boston with our cards and we're like, you know, Hey, we're lawyers. Does, does anybody need a lawyer? And, um, didn't know how people would react. And people were like, Oh my God. Yeah. I need a lawyer. Like I had six employees now I'm 68 and my lawyer is a, a trust States guy. And, and they don't know what a bill back is. And they don't know a broker is. And I, I need someone who understands the space. Right. And, um, you know, we kind of, we, after that show is kind of like a eureka moment, we met all these brands that sort of have since then grown and sold like, you know, Happy Baby and Siggy's Yogurt and, yeah. and Hint Water and Vita Coco. And, you know, we just realized that nobody was helping these brands. And, you know, from there we sort of, that was our eureka moment. And from there we sort of focused on it. We built our client base and 2011, we left the firm we were at and moved down to the meat packing district in New York with three lawyers and, you know, 30 clients. And, you know, today we built, that office out we got two floors of meat packing and an office in Santa Monica near you guys and um we got about 1200 companies that we work with in the space of you know various sizes and shapes and you know we absolutely love it
1: that's amazing so you 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 shared that you're going to the uh, fancy food show uh this weekend so you know I'm a I'm a guy or gal there you know starting my own brand and and I see Ryan come in and and I'm like oh yeah he's with Giannuzzi Luendon I mean, are, are you helping me if this is just something that like this is my first show or are you really looking for, you know, people and brands that have maybe built out a little bit more? Or like at, at what point do you really get in, involved in, and yeah. how to help people at those different points?
0: Yeah, I mean, we are a real start to finish solution. Right. Um, there's kind of a white space in legal work. Right. You have kind of have startup lawyers that only know how to get you off the ground but don't know how to get you like to the next level. And then you have really big firms that sort of work with you when you're fully formed and don't wanna to touch you earlier. We deal with everybody. Um, you know, I love speaking to entrepreneurs who are just starting their business. You know, I love being part of that. I love helping to give them and give advice. It's honestly, you know, the relationships with the clients that I've had for six, seven, eight years and seeing them sort of grow, it's the most rewarding part of my practice. Um, we love working with the mature companies too. And, you know, there's lots of brands that come to us when they're more fully formed with lots of problems we can solve for them. But honestly, the, like the really rewarding part of this, this job is when you're working with someone, the product hasn't even been out yet. And you kind of help them, you see it come on the shelves, you see it grow national distribution, you help them sort of bring your strategic partner in just being along the way for that ride. Um, it's just, it's just, it's, it's a feeling that's like no other. do you find that
1: you get involved in um because of course you know being being lawyers you guys are involved in all of the contract stuff and all of that and, you know providing guidance there but what about you know if, if it's a i don't know if, if, if it's a product and you know and and i'm looking for product and extension advice and are you guys also involved in that sort of thing as well or
0: yeah i mean you know the thing is like the cpg industry is a very small industry yeah and you know I've been in it for 15 years and Nick's been in it for more than that. And, you know, we've gotten to know all the players and we've seen, we've worked with lots and lots of companies and we've seen these things over and over. So, um, you know, one of the things that I like to spend a lot of time doing as part of my practice, and and it's not strictly legal, but, you know, I call it community building. Right. And it's just helping to put the right people around the company or the product. And, you know, oftentimes, and I love this. My clients come to me and they're like, hey, Ryan, you know, we need a PR company. Do you know any good PR? company? We need a Walmart broker. Do we need a do we know a great Walmart broker? Right. And I do, it, you know, <laughs> and um, and I can introduce them to them and send an email and put people right. together and and, you know, just help shore up that that sort of entity and create a better asset for these people and add value. You know that's outside the typical legal stuff, but it's just it's just you know sort of ancillary to the to the business that I do every day of you know working with these clients you know in and out on the legal side.
1: Being in this industry in the CPG industry for so long and really being um, you know a part of the growth of the overall industry as you're helping these individual um, brands grow, what are you seeing has changed over the you know the time that you've been in it? You know,
0: yeah. Talk a little bit. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest changes and the shifts I think in CPG, you know, since I've been in it is just sort of like the life cycle of brands and, and the relationship with the sort of conglomerate acquirers. Um, it's really shifted over, you know, you, you've seen this big shift over maybe the past five or six or seven years where, you know, the, the acquirers are buying you a little later. They're looking for brands to mature a bit more. Profitability is a thing that we talk about early and often, where in 2008 or nine or 10, you know, that wasn't really something people were looking at. They were looking for top line growth. You know, they were looking for grow as fast as you can. Don't worry about the bottom line, get brand awareness and get at, and get acquired. And today that's not really there. Uh, today it's grow, grow your top line and your bottom line sort of responsibly, get your brand awareness And then the companies that are sort of able to show a profit or at least a great pathway towards profitability are these companies that are selling for these very, very big exits. While companies that can't do that, especially when they get to a certain size, um, aren't finding the same opportunities as they had before.
1: Right, right. What are you seeing with regard to um, digital marketplaces? Uh, you know okay. they, i mean they're just so you know uh, i mean it's so much a part of a brand's growth now so how have you seen that evolve and, and how is that um, you know helping or hurting a brand for that eventual sale or buyout
0: absolutely i mean digital marketplaces like in 2008 weren't really a thing it was kind of an it was kind of an afterthought hey if we could sell direct to consumer cool But like, it wasn't something people were focusing on. It wasn't something people were putting a lot of energy into. Direct to consumer, you know, it was there, but it wasn't something that people were building brands in. And, you know, obviously, maybe over the past, you know, 10 years or so, that's really become a thing. I mean, the digital channel is a real channel now. You know, you need service providers. You need companies like Vendo to help you manage that digital channel. And if you can build it. You know, you can build it profitably. We talk about profit, right? Online sales and profit go hand in hand because you make more money selling direct to consumer than you do, you know, through the bureaucracy of the sort of retail channel. So, um, you know, the infrastructure that's come up, uh, I mean, has been a a reaction to, I think, that trend as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just the the artistry and the care and the efforts that need to go in digital channels now in order to sort of build a brand um, did not exist. Right. You know, in the early 2000s.
1: Right. Are you seeing that there are um, just, I, I guess you could say, like, like digitally, digital only, more digital only brands now, right. um, by far? And and like, like, uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, companies or, or, or investors that would want to buy those brands are, are open to more open to that than ever before. Or,
0: um... Yeah, a- a- absolutely. I mean, you look at you look at a company like uh, Mary Ruth's Organics or your super or you know, even a company like Orgain, which just transacted to Nestle, and seeing how robust their digital sales are and their, and you know their teams are, um, that it's the tide is turning now where digital native brands are seen as real brands by acquirers. I would say that ten years ago that wasn't the case. Um, yeah. If you are selling online and you weren't in a store, you know people are like, people didn't understand the sales data. If it wasn't coming from if your if your top like you know customers were sort of were sort of so spread out you needed five customers and it was like Whole Foods Walmart Target right and now it's now it's different people have come to understand that people have come to understand that you know digitally native brands are brands and you are starting to see um, you know the big players uh, turn to those companies and um, and acquire them. You know, in addition to all the companies like, you know, a out there that are, you know, buying these native brands and sort of aggregate.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, how has uh, Gianuzzi Luendon um, shifted as a result of that? And, uh, you know, internally, I'm, I'm sure you guys have, have shifted in some way, shape or form for that. But what are you seeing on the horizon that um, brands and,
0: and founders need to be aware of? Yeah, I mean. A lot has shifted. So, I mean, for our work, um, you know, it, the work itself has shifted some of the some of the nuts and bolts about putting together some of these brands uh, has changed in terms of the operations and where they're sort of putting their efforts, um, where they're allocating their funds, Um, you know, for us on the contractual side, you know, Doing deals with online brokers as as well as sort of retail brokers or or putting more efforts into some of these these players that you need to to put in place in order to sort of do your online sales these days. But I would say that for companies today, first of all, you know, you have to treat the digital channel like a real channel. It's it's a real channel in Congress. Uh, You have to put people on it and you have to support it and you have to nurture it. and then, you know, there's a lot of things, there's tax implications, you know, selling on Amazon and where you're doing Citus and, and sort of where those sales are and whether you own know, sales tax and, you know, Arkansas or not right. is a whole issue that is an issue that the IRS is sort of is sort of working itself through as we speak, right. uh, just because, you know, digital sales have just become, you know, so, like so much more prevalent in society, um, you know. The advertising sort of you know taking care of um you know making sure that you're covered in the states where you're putting a lot of your efforts and your inventory and your sales and your employees um that's become a little bit more uh you've had to juggle that a little bit more because now people are a little bit more spread out um than they were when they were just using sort of uh outsourced sales um you know across the country but you know, it's, it's a new world. It's more to think about, but, you know, the way I see it is having an ability to connect with a consumer directly and having the ability to get that information and have those touches with them. I just think it's an amazing opportunity for brands to, you know, grow in that relationship with their consumers and really more deeply identify with the public.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, As far as uh, Gianuzzi Luendon's growth Uh, as as a firm you're in New York you as you said you have your office in Santa Monica Um, are are you guys expanding beyond uh, there or or what's the expansion
0: plan for you that's a that's a that's that's a topic that my partners and I've been discussing Um, but but yeah um, you know we've got you know we've got uh, our client base is all over the country and you know outside the country as well Um, you know New York is obviously a hub for us. It's home. LA is, you know, I'd say we've got a couple hundred clients in that area. Um, you know, Texas, Colorado, the hubs have sort of, you know, the better for you areas. You know, if, if we were talking three years ago, I might n- have never said Miami, but you know, today right. Miami is becoming its own sort of CPG hub. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to be where our, where our clients are. Um, you know, I think obviously in digital age, you can operate and remotely, <laughs> and we can operate from these places. But um, you know, um, yeah, I do think that you know the future of G News of London is having more people in more of these areas. Yeah. Um, we, we look, we love this industry, we love the people in it. You know, most of my best friends are in this industry, the people I spend all my time with. Um, and we want to be around.
1: For sure. Sure. Ryan, is there um, any anything that um, I haven't asked that uh, just would you you think would be really helpful or insightful for for the audience out there of uh, CPG founders and executives?
0: Um, anything at all? No, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, I think I think I think for everybody in the CPG world, um, you know, we've all navigated a lot the past, you know, year or two with with COVID and now coming out of COVID. And you know, I just think I think what anybody should know is that, you know, I'm here for anybody that ever wants to reach out. If you guys have questions, uh, you can get my contact info. Yeah. Um, but you know, what I love is especially for new entrants. This is such a collaborative community. Um, it's been a rough road, especially for somebody to try to start a business in 2019 or 2020. Um, it's a very collaborative community. People are willing to help. You probably haven't seen the trade shows. You know, they're opening back up. Right. Yoji, I know, sure. said I'm, I'm going to fancy food Sunday, but you know, we have Expo West coming up. And you know, I think it's going to be great to for everybody to be reminded of what a great community this is, how yeah. collaborative and eager to help well each other we all are.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you, you mentioned something that I should have asked earlier, but you were talking about, uh, you know, of course, COVID. I mean, hey, it's it's why I'm working from home uh, uh, too, still. Um, you know, unintended uh, benefit there. But as far as uh, you know, just how you have seen, has, has it has it changed? Um, you know, the the financing of, of of brands, the investment in brands, have you seen that, or and did it? Did it do it in a negative way? Or are you seeing it turn or what, what did you see there?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say 2020 um, was an interesting year, you know, like kind of the big financing still happened, um, you know, you kind of saw a feast or famine, like there were a lot of transactions that happened with companies that were kind of struggling and, you know, they transacted for not a lot of money, but they changed hands. Yeah. Um, I think it's sort of, you know, the the well dried up for them. Uh, the companies that were doing great, that had great metrics, you know, that were like really, you know, premier, they still transacted and had great multiples. Yeah. Um, you know, Vital Protein sold in COVID and, and had yeah. a great exit. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, as, as time went on, I think people got used to, You know, getting to know each other over Zooms, right? Like in 2019, if you asked an investor, "Will I invest in a company where I've never met the founder in person?" uh, I think you know, ten to ten would say no. Yeah. Today, maybe like you know, maybe seven to ten would say no. But there are people that have adapted to it, Um, and and it's continued. Um, Our our practice on the finance side has has honestly not slowed down. Um, You know, there was a blip there for a couple months when when everything shut down, but. You know, what's great about this community is it's resilient and it's dynamic and it's disruptive and it's innovative and people reacted and people pivoted. And, you know, um, a lot of people had great years and found ways to, you know, found ways to sort of manage the storm. And what's great thing about the Better Free community is, you know, we're health and wellness focused, right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, um they were doing something out there that was helping people. And it was something that people were looking for. So, um, no, the, the financing the financing side of things um, has 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 stayed steady, has been strong. And, you know, um, I I, can, I think it's going to continue to stay that way.
1: Excellent. Ryan, um, thank you so much. Uh, folks, again, we've been speaking with Ryan Lewenden, partner of the Gianuzzi Lewenden Group. Thank you so much for your time, Ryan.
0: Yoji, great speaking to you. I'll talk to you later. All right.